and welcome to the Rugby Post, the podcast that gives you the fans' perspective. I'm your host, Josh Matthews, and I'm joined as always by my good friend, Mike Petretta. How are you today, Mike? Very well, thank you. You good? Yeah, I'm okay, thank you, mate. It's been a, been a long week at work, as I was just telling you, but got out of the way now and uh, looking forward to a, a weekend of hopefully some good rugby. We've got La Crunch coming up and really looking forward to that. And just while we're on that, I think it would be remiss of us if we didn't mention huge congratulations to, to Max Malins for being called up to actually start his first England game. I think he's a player that you and I and our friendship group have been big fans of, particularly since the return from COVID. And I'm really looking forward to seeing him play on Saturday. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how Elliot Daly reacts to obviously Malins starting over him. Yeah, I think Elliot Daly's England career is far from over. I think he's got a lot more to offer. He's only in his mid to late 20s. And I think if he can bounce back from this and, and get a bit of game to him at Saracens. And, and do you know what, mate, to be honest, he's probably been a bit of a victim of Saracens not having not played any games in the run-up to the Six Nations and just lacking a bit of form. So let's just hope, you know, he goes back to Saris, gets his head down. I know he's on the bench this weekend. We may or may not see him, but let's hope he gets back to Saris, finds a bit of form with them in the Championship and then can come back a stronger player. Yeah, for sure. Really, uh, really happy to see the inclusion of Ollie Lawrence this weekend. Thoughts on that? I would have preferred to see him start, and I know I'm sort of splitting hairs. I'm glad he's in the squad. I think it's it's, a, it's high time that Eddie did make some changes. I would like to have seen more than the three that he's made, given that we can't win the Six Nations from here. So I think it would have been better just to throw a bit of caution to the wind and possibly give a few more of these lads a chance just to see what they can offer, really. And so, yeah, whilst it's great to see Ollie Lawrence on the bench, I would personally prefer to have seen him starting. Yeah, it's interesting, actually. I watched the pre-match um, interview or the post-announcement interview, I should say. And Eddie quite candidly and almost concisely emphasised the point that this is the transition of the team. So he is slowly looking to transition to uh, players out, which is interesting. And I've mentioned to you in the past, I think actually what he's going, going to try and do is utilise the Lions tour as an opportunity to do it. But we'll see if there will be mass changes. Obviously, a lot of players who deserve to be in England in the England squad aren't currently playing for England, nor have they been capped or picked. So interesting to see sort of how it plays out in the summer, I think. Yeah, and obviously you mentioned the Lions tour there. It looks more and more likely that the tour is going to be played in the UK, looking like four tests, I think, over here, which is rather interesting. Not something that I would like to see personally. I think the tour should stick to touring the, the countries, South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, as they have done traditionally. But do you know what? If it's a choice between no tour at all or playing it here, obviously we'd rather see it played here. So it'd be interesting to see what happens with, you know, you'd expect probably... 10, a dozen England players normally get called up to the Lions. So with those sort of 10, 12 players gone, it'd be really interesting to see if England decides to tour elsewhere. You know, I think Argentina's been thrown out there. If they were to go to Argentina for a couple of games, it'd be nice to see some more of these players actually get a chance to play at an international level against a reasonably decent Argentinian side. So we're looking forward to see what happens there. For sure. And hopefully we can get our hands on some tickets and actually go to uh, the Lions games if they're being played in what's been proposed as, you know, Murrayfield, the Aviva Principality in Twickenham. So, yeah, really excited to to see if we can we can do that. And hopefully, you know, we'll see and hear from some, some fans who are, are planning the same. Yeah, and to be honest, mate, I'm probably just being a bit of a miserable traditionalist, to be honest. I just like the Lions tour to stay. Lions tour Australia, South Africa, New Zealand on a 12-year rotational basis for each country and four years sort of consecutively. 
But as a novelty, probably will be nice. It'll give fans who probably may never get a chance to go and tour with the Lions abroad to actually get to see them play live here. There's four tests. I think tickets will be like gold dust. But do you know what? Anybody who gets a hands-on ticket, fair play to you. Go and enjoy it. It'll be a really good experience and a chance to see the Lions play. And not everybody gets a chance to see the Lions play live in their lifetime. So let's enjoy it. Let's embrace it. And let's see what happens over these four tests if they're to go ahead in this country. And the other piece of big news today that I think we should talk about is the CBC deal going through, 365 million, one-seventh stake in the Six Nations. It's going to be interesting to see how the teams spend their money moving forwards. Yeah, I jokingly said off-air that it could be like a payday loan, whereby we'll see the implications of this deal sort of later on. But post-COVID, everything that's happened, I think it's really important that you know the unions have some money in the bank and you know it's going to be really interesting to see sort of how they look to utilize it there's a lot of teams that potentially could do a lot more with the money that they've uh, that they've got so yeah really interested to see how that filters through to the grassroots and and england who have quite publicly struggled alleviate some of the pressure on them financially so yeah i i think short term it's going to be quite a good thing long term i, I guess we'll have to wait and see yeah, I think it's really good for Italy as well, getting a good dollop of cash from that. A friend of ours said today that they actually think that Italy will probably do more with their money than some of the other nations will in terms of building a team and building a, a, an infrastructure for promoting players into the senior squads and, and moving forward. So I think it's a massive positive for Italy as well. How are you feeling about that? Yeah, 35 million, that's, um, it, it, that's, that's more money than they've probably received from the whole Six Nations in the 20 years that they've been there so yeah really happy to see that influx of money and i think actually and even with the cbc pro 14 where they've had some influx of money from the season before you can already start seeing how they're looking to centralize some of the under 20s players and get them playing and committing to um to italy and we'll see sort of how it progresses over the next five years i'm super super excited about it and I think it's it's a massive positive, particularly for Italy. Yeah, so really happy with that. Really happy to see all the nations getting money off the back of what's happened with COVID. So hopefully that will save them some of the, the losses that they've probably all had with over, over last year with the pandemic. Just moving on to this our main topic of conversation today, we wanted to talk about the draws for the European Challenge and European Champions Cup. Now, I think we're going to spend most of the podcast now talking about the Champions Cup, but just to touch on the Challenge Cup, because there is one absolutely mouth-watering tie in there. And as a Harlequins fan, I really want to get your reaction to this. But Harlequins, Ulster at the Stoop, what a game that's going to be. Yeah, I completely agree. It's a shame that obviously we can't have fans at the Stoop. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited to see sort of how um, they rise to a slightly different challenge to some of the Premiership teams, particularly on the form that they've been they've been playing lately. And, you know, the likes of, you know, Marcus Smith really sort of controlling a lot of the game and his game management coming through against the fit and let's be honest you know quick pace quick recycle uh, very back orientated Ulster side very similar sort of styles of play so yeah really really excited to see how they play yeah and interestingly as well I'm going to sort of stake a claim here that I think that the winner of the competition will probably come from that game because I think no disrespect to the Dragons, I think that Northampton will probably beat the Dragons in Wales, and then Quinns or Ulster will have to go to Northampton. And obviously, we saw Quinns beat Northampton the weekend. 
I think they can do it again. I think Ulster would probably beat Northampton as well. So, you know, it looks like they've got a reasonable run possibly to the final. So for me, I think the winner will probably come from that game. Some other interesting ties in there, probably not as competitive probably as we, we may like to see at this point in a competition, but, you know, it's a last 16 rather than a last eight than what we'd normally have. There's probably a few more competitive games of the Champions Cup, which we'll come to. But I know that you want to just touch on the Zebra versus Bath game. Yeah, I just think that'll be a really interesting, well, a really interesting contrast because obviously at this point, uh, the Six Nations will be over and Zebra currently have 13 players in the Italian squad. So those 13 will come back. We'll have those 13 internationals back and they've looked fairly strong under Michael Bradley over the past few weeks. They've lost, you know, by by some silly mistakes, there was you know some a uh, yellow card etc. that sort of dominated the the game. I believe it was against um, the Scarlets, but other than that, they played some nice rugby. And Bath obviously haven't been firing off at all cylinders themselves. So I actually think that could potentially be uh, a closer game than what we're seeing on paper. And also, I'm really excited to see how Newcastle Falcons progress in the tournament. Obviously, just coming up really putting their mark on uh, the premiership probably overperforming based on you know what we expect from from recently promoted teams so they could they, they could really upset the apple cart and yeah excited to see sort of what they can do yeah just going back to the zebra bath game quickly just on that i think that that's probably for bath has got banana skin written all over it and, and that's not meant in a disrespectful way to zebra but you know, with 13 internationals back in Italy. And like you say, Bath, you know, I think they have been getting a little bit better recently, but probably not playing at the, the level that we've seen them play in recent years. So to me, that, that game has got banana skin written all over it. So let's just move on then to talk about the Champions Cup. Uh, and I think we spoke just before we came on air, we had a quick chat about our thoughts on these. And there's certainly a couple of ties in there, again, that look like real humdingers. So you've got Exeter versus Leon, I think could be an absolutely smashing game at Sandy Park and probably the tie of the round is going to be Bordeaux versus Bristol in Bordeaux yeah I, I'm so excited by all those games I mean even Racing versus Edinburgh uh, with with Finn being at the core of Racing as well and being played there's there's so many exciting battles in, in the first round but yeah if we were going to pick the game that I suppose we're both most excited about, that Bordeaux versus Bristol, because Bristol have found this faux French flair that they've been playing with. And, you know, it's it's such an attractive style of play. And I want to see how it contrasts against, you know, some of the the French teams who have that natural flair. So really excited to see that, that battle. I actually think Bristol are probably dark horses out of all of those. Obviously, Leinster... Toulon, Toulouse, like the typical names being at the forefront. But I think Bristol, again, talking about upsetting the apple cart, that those guys, it's, 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 they're there to, to, to really put a stamp on it. So excited to see sort of how they proceed in the tournament as well. Yeah, I think a word of caution for Bristolians. I think revenge will be on the mind of Bordeaux given what happened at the back end of last season. An absolutely brilliant game we saw at Ashton Gate. And probably in the end, the score maybe didn't reflect the game itself. I think the score, and I don't mean this disrespectfully to Bristol, I think it probably did flatter them a little bit towards the end. I don't think Bordeaux were, or deserved to be as many points down as they did in the end, but it was an absolutely cracking game. So I think revenge will be on the mind of Bordeaux. For sure, for sure. And let's let's just talk about Exeter. Obviously, Exeter having 
uh, won the tournament last year and they had a slightly shaky start to the season that they may have liked. And that could potentially have been to losing some sort of key components to the team to, uh, to the England side. But very excited to see how, um, how, well, if they can retain it and, and do something that I, I don't believe has been done in 10 years and win back to back. I think it's always been sort of fairly interchangeable. So, um, yeah, let's let's hope that Exeter can uh, can step up to the plate because it'd be uh, it well it'd just be a really interesting final. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm not an Exeter fan at all. I admire the way they play rugby, but I'm not a fan of theirs particularly. However, I would very much like to see them win that game against Leon purely on the fact that if they do win that game and Leinster overcome Toulon, we get a quarter final of Exeter versus Leinster at Sandy Park, and what a game that could be. Yeah, it's the two titans of the attritional game at that point. So very similar styles of play. It's just going to come down to who executes better. And you know, if you have a if you have a player like Samson that's just sat there, um, there's you, you can always expect fireworks. So really, really happy with draw. And I think you know there's going to be um, some probably some interesting battles throughout the whole the whole tournament. Yeah, and for me, the favourites in the tournament still are Toulouse. I think, they're, for me, they're the best team in Europe and have been there, thereabouts for the last few years and just haven't quite got over the line for one reason or another. Not only because they've come up against an incredible either, you know, Leinster a couple of years ago and they had a couple of, I think they have a couple of red cards in the game. And, and you know, I think that um, this hopefully will be their year. I think they, they, you know, for team ever did deserve to win anything. And I, you know, I hate using that expression because no team really deserves anything. You, you go out there and you win it. And, and, you know, if you're good enough to win it, you'll win it. But I think, you know, they're going to go to Munster. It'll be a really tough game given that Munster had a really strong season in the Pro 40. But I think if they overcome that, going to Wasps or Claremont, two teams probably not as strong as they have been in recent years. I think it's a nice route or a nicer route to the final for them than possibly other teams. So it'd be really interesting to see what happens there as well. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I'm going to put you on the spot here. We haven't spoken about this before the pod, but if you had to pick a team that you think is going to win the Challenge Cup and a team that is going to win the Champions Cup based on the fixtures we've got and the potential runs, we've seen all the the, the ramifications, who stands out from each competition as your favourite? So I think... Harlequins, you know, I'm gonna, I'm, I'll put my name to, to Quinn's winning the Challenge Cup. I think it's going to be a really interesting battle, particularly if we're talking, you know, what, what happens after Ulster. You know, it could be Northampton um, uh, away. So it, there, there's there's some interesting battles in that, but really um, expecting Quinn's to have this post-gusted surgence, uh, resurgence, I should say, and um, yeah, hopefully we, we we see we see some some uh, Marcus Smith magic. And in terms of the Champions Cup, it, it's it's I'm going to go out on the limb, and I actually do think Bristol could win this. Uh, Bristol have been genuinely shoulders above any of the competition in the Premiership, and one of our friends is going to be very happy I said that but it's genuinely about the quality of rugby that they're playing so I can't think who you're talking about there Mike yeah so uh, it's genuinely just the quality of rugby that they've been playing and you know I'm I'm happy to admit I think they're probably they're probably the best team in England at the moment that being said we'll have to see sort of 
um, how the the return of the internationals post Six Nations affects the balance of the Premiership. But as it stands right now, um, they just look so good. Yeah, I think for me, I'm going to agree with you to a point on the Challenge Cup. I'm going to say I think that, gun to my head, I would probably put my money on coins. But regardless, I think the winner of that game will win the competition. I think if also win that game, they'll win it. And if Quinns win the game, they'll obviously go on to win it. Champions Cup, I can't say anyone other than Toulouse. You know that I've loved Toulouse this last two or three years and I, I just can't look past them. You know, I'm not going to massage our friend's ego too much, but I think that Bristol also have an incredible chance of winning it. And given some of the rugby they're playing at the moment, it's probably the best chance they've ever had to win it. So if they're going to do it, they'll do it this year. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens. And it looks like the moment they run to the final, they probably will avoid each other. So a Toulouse-Bristol final could be absolutely fantastic to see. For sure. And... Talking about Toulouse, obviously they'll have some uh, some key players back from the Six Nations, um, in particular, obviously Dupont and Entomac. We haven't really spoken about the team that's come up against England this uh, well Saturday. How confident are you, mate? I'm not very confident at all. I think I put in our we have a group chat just for the listeners. We uh, yeah, we have group chat amongst our friends from university and I think I said France by 20 yesterday. With a, it was tongue-in-cheek. I don't think it will be as quite as big as that, but I think England are in for a tough day on Saturday. <laughs> and do you think that's that the layoff might sort of come into uh, to favour England in, 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 in the actual game? Or do you think it's given France more time to actually recover and we're going to see, well, champagne rugby? Well, interestingly, I said on the pod last week, didn't I, on the the review for, I think, week three of the Six Nations, I think it was on that one, I said that we shouldn't underestimate the disruption in the squad, but I think that they are that good and England are that poor that probably isn't going to make too much of a difference this weekend. I think if they were playing Wales, then it it might be a slightly different story because I think Wales have got that momentum. Wales feel like a bit of a juggernaut at the moment. It just seems sort of quite difficult to stop they just seem to be rumbling on whereas England obviously just can't seem to really buy a decent win at the moment no disrespect to Italy of course but I just think that it's going to be a tough day for England on Saturday I'm going to say something interesting and I don't know if you're going to agree based on stats that I've seen I think Ireland are going to beat Scotland on Sunday interesting okay well we'll just touch on the other two games quickly then so, so you think that Ireland will beat Scotland? I find that really, really interesting. I'll tell you why. So Ireland have turned over 21 balls out the rock. And the next team down is France with nine. And Scotland need quick ball. They need quick ball. They need Ali Price to, to, to attack the fringes. They need... They just need quick ball. Like they, and we've seen what happens when that quick ball was disrupted, the discipline goes, and it'll be a very similar sort of outcome to Italy. I, I, I will go out on a limb, and I think if Ireland maintain you know, that, that capability of jackling at, 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 at the ruck and slowing the ball down with you know, the likes of Porter, Furlong, Healy, just absolutely smashing the breakdown, I, I, I think it's going to be a long day for, for, for Scotland. And if we look back at the first podcast we made, I think we both, you know, touted Scotland for 
for as the dark horse but based uh, and this is me basing it purely on statistics but these statistics are rounded around uh, excuse me are centered around the way scotland play so i think it it, it it's almost like a contrasting kung fu um that that they that they've got and i think actually it, they'll probably end up on 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 the right side yeah, so I am going to disagree with you there slightly. I think that Scotland will be so motivated after what happened against Wales that they're going to just going to come out and I think they'll play exactly the way they have done. They'll play what's in front of them at Murrayfield and I think that it'll be close. I, you know, I'm not, I don't think Scotland are going to go out there and blow Ireland away by any stretch of the imagination, but I think at Murrayfield, a motivated Scotland team, they've had a, an extra couple of weeks off as well and given what happened in that Wales game, a game, let's be honest, they shouldn't have lost, really. Um, I think they'll be so motivated to put that right. And I, I think that they'll probably win by sort of three to five points. That would be my prediction. Um, and just quickly, we might as well touch on the, obviously, the other game. Wales, Italy, or Italy, Wales, I should say, it's in Rome. Are you predicting another tough day at the office for Italy? I actually am strangely optimistic. Stephen Varney, last time we played Wales, played exceptionally well. And I, th- I think it was actually his debut. Feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was his international debut and he played sensationally. They've got rid of Palazzani and uh, Marcello Violi is now back in and he's the person that before uh, Varney, I would say, is the Italy's number one scrum half. They've um, dropped Palazzani, they've dropped Braley. They've brought in, the, they, they've dropped Lucchese as well, who was the young uh, hooker the 20-year-old hooker, and they brought in a slightly more experienced hooker trying to get some more stability in the front row. They have identified the areas that you and I have spoken about last week about stability at set-piece, and they are trying to tr- trying to obviously improve on that. So Italy, I'm strangely optimistic. I don't think necessarily it's going to be um, an Italy victory, but what I do want is a solid 80 minutes so that, you know, these young players, some playing their third, fourth cap, can hold their heads up high and can take something from it. Yeah, really interesting thoughts there. Obviously, Stephen Barney coming back in will be massive for Italy. I think he's a really bright prospect for them. I just think, you know, I described Wales as that juggernaut before. They're coming off the back of a really good win against England and in the end, you know, comprehensive win by sort of 16 points, was it in the end, I think? So I, I just think, that unfortunately, Italy will, won't be able to stop the juggernaut, regardless of the fact that it's in Rome. So we'll see what happens this weekend. Really looking forward to it. I know you are as well. So let's see what happens and we'll discuss it next week. As always, guys, you can contact us at therugbyposts at gmail.com. We'd love for you to start getting involved and start engaging with us and chatting with us about it. We'd love to hear your opinions. So please, please, please drop us an email. So I have been your host, Josh Matthews. Joined by Mike Pachetta, and that was rugby.